Welcome to the Art of Unraveling podcast. My name is Erin McGuire, and I'm an empowerment coach and guide here to empower you into feeling completely worthy of a business and life that you love. This podcast is the place to learn how to unravel anything keeping you from that abundant, beautiful life that you so deserve. Nothing is off limits here as we navigate life through psychology, science, and spirit. Let's get into today's episode. Welcome back to another episode of The Art of Unraveling. I'm Erin McGuire. Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. As you know, sometimes we do interviews here, and sometimes I just talk about things that are up for me in my own life. And this episode is about something that's very raw and happening in the moment, and that was learning of, it would be my stepdad's cousin, uh, so it's it's not my family, so to speak, but my stepdad has always been very gracious about taking me in and, you know, even tells me you're my daughter. So it would be his cousin. And he was killed tragically in a, a pretty tragic farm accident. And it I know him not that well, but I used to babysit his daughter when I was in high school and middle school, and he was just like so kind, so kind, so nice, always had a huge smile on his face, you know, just was one of of those radiant people, just naturally, and it is really a tragic loss. Anybody that knows him is feeling that loss, and I wanted to talk about it because it's up for me. And I find that this happens every time somebody I know passes away. I also, within the last 24 hours, found out that my great uncle has passed. Now, he's in his 90s. My stepdad's cousin, I think, was in his 50s. So quite a difference there. Uh, My great uncle, also very kind, had a big smile, was always very welcoming. So it's really interesting that these two men that I've known in my life are, but very distantly, um, I only know my great uncle really from when I would go visit him with my grandmother. That they're both, in a way, they share this this gentle, kind energy. And I don't know them all the time, so I can't speak for all the time, but from what I get, got from them. So I just, one, find that very interesting, but also the feelings that come up every time I hear of someone passing is this almost this dread of just like, you know, are you living your life? Are you, you know, like it's like, why do we have to be reminded of our immortality just by when someone else dies? And and it makes us contemplate our own life and contemplate how we are to other people. And those things are good things. It makes us contemplate gratitude. Like, I'm grateful that I'm here and that I'm healthy. And all of that's good, but my my question becomes, why aren't we doing that all the time? Why aren't we in that state of mind more? Because that's what's up for us. We don't know, you know, especially when you hear of a tragic loss, it's that one always hits you harder, you know, when they're young and 
it was a tragic thing that happened. It's like we really just don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And I know I'm not saying anything profound here, but it's just where I'm at, where it's just like, man, are am I living, are we living life in a way that feels good? Are we being loving to ourselves? Are we, you know, thinking negative thoughts all the time about ourselves or shooting on ourselves all the time or others? And then it also brings me to story. So I wanted to share uh, a little bit of a story because I feel kind of the same feeling with my, his name's Clay, with Clay that I felt with my step-grandma, which is odd, right? Because obviously I was closer with my step-grandma. Her name is Eleanor. And I spent a lot more time with her than I did with Clay. But it's like I feel the same kind of feeling for me personally, which is this, which is going to lead me to a story, which is where I'm going with this. Uh, A lot of you that have listened or and know me, know that, you know, my childhood wasn't always roses and butterflies. I had a lot of great um, uncles and my grandmother and step-grand, you know, I had a lot of great people in my life that helped me. But in terms of my relationship with my own mom, it's been very rocky and a lot of, I'd say, you know, verbal, emotional, whatever, abuse. I shouldn't say whatever to that, but a lot of, uh, just a lot of being stuck in fight or flight, stuck in, tra- in a trauma response because of a sur- trying to survive that situation for more or less words. And so when I had the opportunity to leave the small town that we moved to from Fort Dodge, which was called Manson, which is called Manson, uh, it's like a town of 1,800 people. Everybody knows everybody. A lot of farmers live there. You know, it's a, it's a farming community, obviously, in Iowa. And again, it's just this small town where you just know everyone. And everybody knows your business. And everybody knows your family. And it's like that. And we moved there because that's where my stepdad lived. So we moved. My mom and I moved from Fort Dodge to Manson. So I had to start over at school. I was started in seventh grade, and it was tragically terrible. I was bullied um, in seventh and eighth grade pretty badly for being so skinny and for how I looked. And I just, I hated it there. I hated Manson. Eventually, I started getting good at track and cross country. And then all of a sudden, I had friends and whatnot. But it was a rough, it was a rough road for me not being from there. Most of the kids in my class had grown up together. And then here comes the new girl. And by the way, she looks very strange because she's so skinny and has big eyes and really long limbs. And so I was the target of being made fun of a lot. And this isn't a pity party. I'm just trying to give you the story here of of where and I'm going to bring it back around. Don't worry. Just stay with me. Stay with me, will you? Uh, <laughs> so. Because I don't want people being like, oh, like maybe that's you right now. Like, oh, that's so sad. It's like, yeah, that sucked. It sucked. There's no other way around that. It sucked. You know, I've shared 
the bullying story in other podcasts, but like they would flap their arms and balk at me like a chicken as I walked down the hallway and tell me that I looked, I had chicken legs. And you know, when you're in seventh grade, that's devastating. Everything is about how you look. Everything is about fitting in. So yeah, it sucked. It 100% sucked. I hated Manson. I hated living there. I didn't want to be there. My friends were in Fort Dodge, you know, it just, everything was the worst. And of course it got better as I got older and was in high school and became really good at cross country and track and started getting recognized for different things and you know and then suddenly everything was fine but my home life was not great my mom had my brother when i was 16 and it was i got left to babysit a lot and when you're 16 and you just want to go out and have fun with your friends it's it's hard and she was just, I remember one time my friend from high school, Nicole, it's like I would always tell them, like, you don't know what it's like here. But to the outside world, to my friends, to people that lived in the town that I lived in, they all thought my mom was great because she was very charismatic in that way to other people. But it's like the second the door closed and people left, like, I got to see the real deal. And it wasn't pleasant. And one time my mom slipped up and my friend Nicole was there and she kind of started yelling at me or my brother or somebody. And I just remember Nicole telling me later, like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I didn't, it's not that she didn't believe me, but she's like, I didn't know that that was like that. And I'm sharing all of this, and it's, if you can tell, it's a bit uncomfortable for me to share. I don't know who's going to listen to this. Probably somebody that's going to take offense to something I'm saying. But I'm sharing it all because when I turned 18, you could not get me out of that town fast enough. Like, I just knew I had to get away from there. Like, I did not want to be around my mom. I didn't want to be around my family. I was like, it's sink or swim. And I just wanted to leave. And so I ran off to college. Like literally, there was the option for me to stay and go to the community college. And I remember being told that my tuition would be paid for if I did that. Uh, and that no nothing would be given to me if I left. And I was like, okay, well, I'm leaving. And it's, yeah, I just couldn't get out of there fast enough. So I left, I completely lost contact really with like my step-grandmother, other than like when I'd come back. Uh, I didn't lose contact with my grandmother or my, that's not true. I didn't lose contact with my step-grandmother then. Uh, I didn't lose contact with my family members, so to speak, but I just, I left. I went to college in Cedar Rapids I lived there for a few years, then I moved to Colorado, then I moved back to Cedar Rapids, and then I moved to Los Angeles. It was like you couldn't, I just didn't want to be near that toxic environment that I had grown up in. And again, it was only like my household situation that was toxic. I have a lot of beautiful, amazing family members and extended family and my stepdad and all of that and my little brother and all those things. Like that's not the issue here. But Something in my system was like, leave, get out, go, don't look back. And I kind of didn't. I went to college 
my freshman year, I don't, I remember like my mom's birthday is October 13th. And I like, it was like the end of October when I realized, oh my gosh, I had forgotten my mom's birthday. Like I didn't even check in from August through the end of October. I just was like a bird out of a cage is what it felt like. Like I didn't think about anybody. I just left. I flew away and I never wanted to look back. And I'm telling this story because fast forward many years later, I'm living in Los Angeles. I had just taken a year to be a traveling gypsy soul. I traveled around the world lived in all these different places. I was in a very, this was 2011. I was very much in a, I hate the United States. I hate our government. I was like very anti everything. I'm not now, but um, it was just one of those times in my life where I just was, the matrix was starting to dissolve for me. And I was like, this shit is messed up. (laughs) And I mean, not that it, I still believe it's messed up a hundred percent, but Obviously, I live here and um, I don't believe anyway, we don't need to go into my belief systems on the government, but suffice to say it's it is what it is. So it was my time of just like getting out, living in Bali, um, traveling the world, traveling Europe, you know, just being I called it my year of being a gypsy. I didn't have a home. I my stuff was in storage and I just traveled around with a backpack essentially. And it was very freeing and it was, it was a good time, but it was also a very like lost time. I was very much lost at that time. So fast forward a little bit more. I hope this is entertaining uh, material for people. I'm not sure that it is. I feel like I'm kind of going around, but I, I, I am coming back to the point here. I like to be raw and authentic when it's when it's there. It felt very much like the time to record a podcast, even though I'm feeling emotional and and raw. It's it just feels right to record this. So if you're still listening, thank you. And I get back to Los Angeles after traveling. I basically ran out of money to put it simply. I had to come back to the United States because I was out of money. I had to go back and get a job. And I didn't have a car. I sold, also, I sold my, sold my car while I was overseas. I mean, it needed to be like there was a bunch of issues wrong with it. And two of my friends, fellow yogis in Cloud9 Yoga, um, they had been helping me with my car and they ended up selling it for me. Like, people are amazing. So that gave me a little bit more money to last a bit longer. And then that ran out. So I moved back. I need a car. I'm back in Los Angeles. And that was a really hard time, too. It was like the hardest integration to go from living overseas and traveling around for a year to being stuck in one place with no money. And yeah, it was it was a bit rough. But I ended up one of my old clients from the restaurant I used to work at. And maybe I've recorded a podcast about that. I don't remember, but it was called Mastro Steakhouse in Beverly Hills. It was very fancy, is still a very fancy steakhouse in Beverly Hills that all of the celebrities go to. And I worked there and I had a regular client. We had lots of regular clients. I worked in the cocktail section and I had put something out on Facebook, like, does anybody have a car, an extra car sitting around? I don't remember how I worded 
the post, but it was something along the lines of, hey, I need to rent a car for a little while. I'm just putting this out here to see if anybody has any options or knows of any good ways to go about this. And his name was Chris. Chris reached out to me and he's like, well, I've got this extra Mercedes sitting around. Uh, If you want to borrow that, like I would pay him a monthly fee, kind of like a car payment and uh, get to drive his Mercedes. It was a convertible, but it didn't the convertible didn't work. It sound it it looked cool and it was cool and it was nice, but it wasn't like a brand new Mercedes or anything. It was an older Mercedes, but it was very cool. I got to drive around in a Mercedes. And I think it was like he charged me like $200 a month. So I would say that was a pretty good deal. Well, at one point, it got to the point after many months of me staying there because I didn't really know what I was doing, where I was going to go next. After staying there for a while, I started building up my private yoga client business and obviously was going to stick around. He's like, well, do you want to just buy the car from me instead of just paying me money? And it was going to be like five grand or something. And I didn't have that money at the time, obviously. I was bleeding in credit card debt and barely getting by. And I ended up reaching out to my step-grandmother. And I wrote her a letter. And I just said, I need to borrow $5,000. And here's why. And I remember she wrote me back. And I would pay her back, obviously. And I remember she wrote me back and said, stop following your dream. It like basically I don't remember exactly. Something along the lines of you aren't you don't really have a job. You're just following some dream. Like basically go get a real job. And I was devastated. <laughs> I was absolutely devastated by that letter. And instead of communicating that or writing her back and saying something, I just like basically cut her out of my life because nobody was going to tell me what I was doing was wrong. Nobody was going to tell me not to follow my dreams. And I'm glad I had that attitude of you can't tell me. But where I'm going with this is that when she died a few years ago, I was devastated. I remember just tears Like nobody, I don't remember anybody else in the funeral acting to the extent that I did. My little brother did a bit, but, and it was because I realized like, one, how precious life is. And two, if you don't keep in touch with people and they die, like that sucks. And she did do a lot of things for me. And I just felt really, really, really bad. And... It, I'm reminded of that with this this death of this other person, Clay, because he was a good guy and, you know, my stepdad's family. But because I left Manson and never really wanted to look back, even though I've gone back to visit here and there, it's like it just even when I go visit, I just feel this ick when I'm there because I just I don't know what my mom has I've been told that my mom has told people stories that aren't true about me. Um I don't know what people think of me when they see me around Manson even though everybody treats me fine. And it just brings back a lot of junk. So I guess my point in this whole podcast is just that 
we have to look, we can't keep in touch with everybody to the degree that we think we should or whatever that even means. We can't keep in touch with everybody in our lives, you know, like at some point you're as you grow older, you're adding more and more and more people into your life and it's impossible to give every person in your life the same level of attention. And but it's just an important thought to have of like how are we interacting with our loved ones? How are we letting them know that they mean something to us, that they are special to us in whatever way? You know, like how how are we showing up? I think it was Brendan Burchard that said he had a near-death experience um, where he said the three questions that kind of pondered his mind when he was laying there after this car accident that he was in were, did I live? Did I love? Did I matter? And I think when somebody dies, those questions come up because at some point we're all going to go there, you know, like we're, we're when someone else dies, it's it's a reminder of our own immortality. And that's why I think it feels so heavy. Also, we miss the person and we wish we would have done X, Y and Z and all the things. Right. But it's a reminder of our own immortality. And it really gives us a pause a sacred pause to look at, did I love? And not just other people, but also yourself. Did I love? Did I live? And did I matter? And the did I matter part can feed into some trauma beliefs around like achievement and being overachievers and perfectionists and that sort of thing. But in a general sense, you know, did you do something that mattered? Are you doing something in your life right now that's meaningful? Whether it's volunteering somewhere or giving back in some way or doing a job that helps other people. And I just think that yeah, that death really makes us ponder those things. But the biggest thing is, did we love? Did we love? Because love at its essence is the foundation of everything. And so it's like, did we love? Did we really love the people around us? Do we? We're alive, right? Do we really love the people around us? Do we show them that love? Do we tell them how much we appreciate the things that they do for us. You know, I had a client recently where she's working through some things with her spouse and I talked to her about showing appreciation. And maybe this is a podcast for another day. I'm getting into my next podcast. But anyway, it was like, oh, I didn't realize like she thought by cleaning and doing housework that that was showing appreciation. But really, we want to be shown like, you know, oh, I, you know, thank you so much for picking up the kids for me today. Or, I, you know, you made my favorite meal. That's so great. Or little things, right? I'll make another podcast on that. But, you know, are you telling the people around you how much you appreciate them? Are you 
beating yourself up on a daily basis with shoulds, like you should be further along or you should have it figured out by now or why aren't you like so-and-so? Like that's not love. That's not loving yourself. That's not loving to yourself. Are you continuing to tell yourself you want to eat better and driving through a drive through at Chick-fil-A on a daily basis or multiple week, multiple times a week basis? That's not necessarily loving for yourself, right? So it's just what I want us all to just ponder this week is, am I living or am I just going through the motions? Am I loving myself deeply and the people around me? Or am I beating myself up on a daily basis? Am I stuck in a survival mode of trying to, you know, just be so busy that I don't have to feel what's really going on underneath? And am I matter? Am I mattering? Is that even a word? Do I matter? Am I doing something that matters? Am I helping people out? Simple things, right? It doesn't have to be some grand gesture, but doing little things of of ways to give back is is what counts. Anyway, I'm kind of going off on tangents here, but that is the main crux of this episode. It's We've kind of winded through the past, went through down some different journeys to get here, But am I living? Am I loving? And do I matter? Am I doing something that matters? Am I helping those around me? Not from a people-pleasing place, but from a true place of giving because I want to give. So I leave you with all of that. Thank you for listening if you've made it this far. And we'll see you next time. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you liked this episode, make sure you subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. If you would like to connect with me more, you can find my website, my services, and my social media links all in the description of this episode. Remember, you are a beautiful and divine and powerful being, and it's time to own it.